I had it broken up into three sections and I was just going to teach through it like I normally do. And I just kept going and going and going with the first point. And I'm like, you know, there's no way I can do this all in one week. So I'm breaking it up into three parts and we're going to hopefully be blessed by this because love in the world today is hard to see and there's there's kind of a fine balance and Christians as a whole are beginning to to have difficulty with this but between loving someone and standing on truth and at some point you have to stand on truth to be loving and we're going to see that today I think in my in my teaching so last week we finished chapter 12, which was all about gifts. It was about the gifts God gives each one of us and in turn empowers those gifts to be used for the common good, which we talked about is basically the common good is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God's empowered each one of us to do his work in a unique way. And we are all part of one larger body, okay? If we, as individuals, aren't doing our part, it can lead to kind of an atrophy in the church. And, you know, atrophy is from lack of movement. You just kind of sit there in one spot. You're not doing anything. How many of you guys have ever been to a church where everybody just goes, sits, does the same thing every single week, and the church isn't moving? It leads to total atrophy. Well, we can't sit here all comfortable as a church. That's not what God's called us to do. So that, that last two weeks of what, what God gives us, what God empowers us, and what God is helping us and teaching us to do kind of leads right into chapter 13, which is all about love. So we can do all kinds of things for people. We can fake our way through a whole lot of different things. But without love, it's all really meaningless. We're going to get a pretty in-depth look at love today and the next couple weeks and break this chapter down into three sections kind of like paul did um, we're going to talk about first this week we're going to talk about the importance of love next week we'll talk about the definition of love and then we're going to talk about lasting love what's it mean to do all these things in a way that kind of progresses relationships forward so today we're going to cover the importance of love and it's really just the first three verses. So if you will, stand up for the reading of God's Word. We're going to go through, this is going to be pretty fast, because I normally don't do it just three little verses, but these three really hit me. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all the faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. That's the reading of God's Word. You may be seated. So what is the importance of love? Well, it's important enough to be mentioned in the two main commandments that Jesus gives us. If we look at, I'm up, I think it's up here. Did I put Mark up there? Mark 12, 28 through 31? No, I didn't put it up there. Um, anyway, I'll, let me read it real quick. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, 
asked him, which commandment is most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important, important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So for Jesus, love is the greatest of all commandments. But why? Why is love so important? Because we've been learning about so far in Paul's letters that we, as people in general, are relational beings, okay? We need each other, and love is an affirmation that our relationship is good, that everything's good between us. You know, loving God sometimes can be hard. Why is that? Well, I, I, I don't see God like I see my wife. She's not sitting next, God's not sitting next to me like my wife is at church. Well, she's not here now. She's over there. But you guys understand what I mean. It, it's, it's, it's harder because having a relationship with God requires faith. Having a relationship with my wife, I can see her, I can talk to her, I can do these things. In reality, our faith should lead to a relationship with God that's the same. Because if we're not talking to God, if we're not praying to God, if we're not in His Word, we get distant. And we don't see that love, we don't feel His love. Okay? So, Jesus says to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus doesn't give us qualifiers. Well, you can't love him until things go, are, are great, right? We only love him when we need him. That's how most people look at their relationship with God, sadly. Jesus tells us to love God no matter what. It, it's, it's, not, it's not about whether I feel something. It's not about whether whether I'm, I'm in a good place or in a bad place, we're supposed to love God no matter what. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, we're supposed to love Him. And then, just like that, we're supposed to love our neighbor. And I hear it all the time. Well, Joe, thank God Joe's not my neighbor. Well, no, no, Joe, Joe is your neighbor. Um, the neighbor doesn't mean the person that's next door to you, the, the guy that lives right next door. It's, it's more like, it's more kind of like the, the Mr. Rogers version of, won't you be my neighbor? So we look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Because Jesus tells about this, and I, I want you guys to kind of listen to this story because the ending kind of puts it in a little bit of perspective. Um, this is from Luke 29 through 37. He says, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. If he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go, you go, and do likewise. A neighbor is somebody who's near or somebody you encounter, not just the guy next door. So, so what does that mean? Well, we are to love all of those people that we encounter. We're supposed to love them like we love ourselves. We are to show them the love of Christ. Remember, Paul's been preaching about gifts and empowerment and the common good. The common good is spreading the love of Christ through the gospel. We need to show love to those that we encounter to do that. We, we can't tell someone about Christ as we disdain them. It doesn't work that way. We also, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we, we can't say that we love Christ and fake our way through that. It's just not something that happens. It doesn't work. So how do we love them? We look at, look at Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, or yeah, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see how that ties in everything that we've been talking about for the last three weeks? Christ is using all of us moving together in a direction for a specific point and a specific purpose. We speak truth and love so that people hear the gospel. That is our mission, but it's done in love. Let's go to our first verse finally after that long kind of intro. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We are always to speak truth in love or we're just flapping our gums. I heard a great message this week that kind of examples this perfectly. How many of you guys, I know some of you have talked with this about, how many of you guys know who Todd White is? Okay. Todd White, that's him. You guys know him now? You guys recognize him? So Todd has been preaching for 17 years, but on last Sunday, something changed with him. I've seen him a few times preach, and he's, he's got an obvious passion for people. And he's always getting down with people and having discussions about Christ with them. He wants truly for people to know who Jesus is. But he started off last Sunday talking about how 85% of the people that give their lives to Christ leave Christianity. And the reason, as he explained it, is they've been given a false gospel. I've seen that happen here in Wilcox. Um, I've seen it all over the place. It's just something that happens. It's, it's really kind of a fundamental way some of the church just operates today. But how do, how do you tell people wrongly about Jesus? 
Well, Todd broke it down, and he did it actually as he was breaking down. He had been telling everyone that Jesus was just this friend that you could invite into your life, and Jesus would make everything better. He would give you powers. He's kind of a name it, claim it kind of guy. He's um, very much into faith healing. But he said, and this, this for him is, is, is hard, because he was a recovering um, drug addict when he gave his life to Christ. He said, teaching people that Jesus is just a friend is kind of like, here, try this new buzz, and hopefully this works for you and makes your life better. And if it doesn't, which it doesn't in 85% of the time, people walk away because he gives them a wrong description of what Jesus is and what Jesus does. So the whole time he's talking about this, he's crying. Now, I know Todd cries a lot. I've heard him <laughs> he cries a lot. That's, that's fine. But he knows that this entire time, he's just been a clanging symbol. He's just been telling people all of this stuff, but it's not been right. He loves people. A lot of people love Todd White, but he wasn't preaching the truth, and he understood that. He repented last Sunday because as much as he wanted people to see Jesus, he never showed them why they needed Jesus. The vast majority of large megachurches today avoid this subject because they don't understand really what it's all about. We're all sinners. We talked about this when we were doing our study in the book of Acts. Somebody like Joel Osteen will not mention the word sin in his church. You know what? Todd White really didn't deal with it either. He didn't want to talk about sin because it was judgmental. And he kept, when he was doing this teaching last Sunday, he was talking about, I, I'm not being legalistic, guys. I'm, not, I'm really not. I'm really not. I just want to talk to you because we have to talk about sin. The, the reality is, if we do not admit that we are sinners, there's really absolutely no point in needing a Savior. And, and that's the point that Todd was missing. We can't do it on our own, and just having a friend is not the answer. That's not, that's not what this is all about. And most of us know that, or at least we should here, but what does Todd White and his discovery have to do with love? Because we're talking about love today, right? If we don't see why we need Jesus, we'll never understand that even as we are dead in our sin, th that need for a Savior um, doesn't make sense to us. The Bible says that we're dead in our sin. But here's the thing. The Bible also says that God sent his son, his only son, and he loved us so much that he sent him to die on the cross even knowing that we were dead in our sin. He did it anyway. 
We will never understand what Christianity is until we understand and see that kind of love. Telling people he wants to be your friend or what he can do for you, that's not love. What he did and what he was willing to do, that sacrificial offering of himself for you, that's love. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And he knows that, and he sent him anyway. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we leave out the uncomfortable parts of presenting the gospel message to people, you know what that is? It's not truth. The reality is, we're all dead in our sin before we meet Christ. We know that. To act like it's not there is just not realistic, and you're not being honest with those people that you're talking to. If I, if I explain and I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without explaining why Jesus had to die, that's not the gospel. As our, verse, as our very first verse says, it doesn't matter how gracefully you say this, if it's not about the love of Christ, we're just banging our lips. The amazing part was that Todd went on to quote Ray Comfort. You guys know who Ray Comfort is? Anyone? Anyone? No? Some people, yes? Some. Ray Comfort's all about using sin to preach the gospel. He, he, he kind of goes like, well, do, do you... Have you, have you ever stolen anything? He'll go up to somebody and he goes, every time he does this, they'll go, well, I'm a good person. He goes, really? You're a good person? Yeah. Okay. Well, have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah. Like, like you know, not big things, just little things. Yeah. Well, have you, have you ever told a lie? Well, you know, like little white lies. Well, it's a lie, right? Have, have you ever hated anyone? Well, yeah. He goes, well, you know, Jesus says that even if you have a hatred for somebody in your heart, you've, you've already murdered him. So basically you're admitting you're a lying, thieving murderer. So you're a good person? Really? And he uses that to explain to people that they do fall short of the glory of God, and that's why they need Christ. But it was amazing for Todd, because Todd, again, this guy doesn't mention sin. So for him to bring this in and start quoting that, then this one threw me for a loop. He said, I've been reading a lot of Spurgeon lately. And I'm going, you what? Spurgeon will straighten him out. The amazing part, guys, and I'm not beating up on Todd White. I'm actually excited as all get out that Todd White is coming to this conclusion in his life now. He actually said in his own words, after 17 years, it feels like I've met Christ all over again. That's exciting because he fully understands what the gospel is now. And he's got a voice. He's got a big voice. And I'm praying that he gets to use that. And he said, God's pruning him. God's led him to proclaim the truth in love. That's what God has done there. Do you see why love is important? Being your friend isn't the same as loving you so much that he's willing to die for you. 
They're not even in the same universe. We in Christianity tend to play down the sin part because we don't want to sound all judgy, right? We don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not Judge Judy in you, and who, I'm, you all heard it. You can't judge me. You ain't God. Oh, all right, well, I'm just telling you, you know. But the most unloving thing that we can do is act like everything's all right in somebody's life when it's not. And you know it and you see it. And they've separated themselves from God for some reason. That, that's how we see 85% of the people leaving the church. Because we misrepresent what Christ is to them. So what happens is, just like clanging cymbals, we're making noise, we're, we're not showing them what true love is. And, and the sad part is that, you know what, guys, it may hurt sometimes. It may. But, but we have to be willing to share love how we saw it example to us, sacrificially. Think about when we went through the book of, we went through the book of Acts. Do you remember the stuff that Paul went through preaching the gospel? I mean, he was beaten. He was left for dead. He, he was, I mean, the stuff that this guy went through just for proclaiming the truth. The world is not, I, I'm, I hate to bear, I'm, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say it right now. Guys. When you preach Jesus Christ to the world, the world's not going to like you. That, that's just the reality of it. They're not going to like you. You know what? God may be using you to change their heart. That's why we do it. That's the whole reason we do it. And it, it's, we have to be willing to make that sacrifice of, they might not talk to us. We have to be willing to throw it out there, this is what's going on, this is what's happening, you need Jesus. All of that, we made it all the way to verse 2, guys. And, I have, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. We talked about spiritual gifts the last two weeks and how God gives us those um, and how he empowers us to use them. And it's solely to share his love with other people. Paul's reminding us that it's not for show. So you think of Benny Hannon. Everybody knocks down. Everybody. That's, that's not the purpose of gifts. The gifts that he gave us are for, solely for us to share his love. Every time we see in Scripture the use of gifts, it's to bring glory to God. It's not about us. I can have all of those things, and if I don't understand love, I'm nothing. Todd White commented that it was like meeting Jesus for the first time. And if you don't understand the fundamental truth of why, why Christ died, you just don't get love. You may understand a type of love, but you, and we're, we're going to go into this more, way more in the next week because it's, we're going to talk about the different kinds of love. But it's that sacrificial, I would take a bullet for you kind of love. If you don't understand that, 
that is what Christ expects from us. And you miss the depth of what Christianity actually is. You can have kind of a type of understanding, but it's not the, it's not the depth of what Christ was saying when he said, take up your cross and follow me. He, nowhere in there did, did he say it was going to be sunshine, lollipops, and, and all this stuff for your whole life. That, that's not... When you take up your cross, remember, he died on that thing. So it, it wasn't like, hey, pick up your cross. This is going to be a nice little jaunt through the, the rose-filled forest. It, it ain't going to be fun. But we don't give it lip service. We, we go out and we do it. We can't be given all of these gifts and not use them to show Christ's love. We talked about that for the last two weeks. That's what Paul's saying here. I can move mountains. I can heal people. But if I don't do it because I want you to see Christ, why am I doing it? What's the purpose? What's the point? I, I don't care if we're going to a grocery store. Make somebody smile. If you're playing with your friends, do everything in love. Being Christian isn't something that we kind of take off of a shelf and we dust off and go, watch me Christian on this person. That's not what it is. And how many times do we do that? Like, well, I can be Christian around this person, but I can't really be Christian around this guy because he doesn't really like it. That, that's not Christianity. You're called to be the person you're called to be, whether you're with this person, this person, or this person. It doesn't matter who you're with. It's every day. It's every thought. It's an every moment lifestyle is what Christianity is. And God gifts us to help make us present Him better, not us. And I think we struggle with that to some extent because we kind of use parts and pieces of our Christianity when we're dealing with people. Don't we do that? We look at others and judge how much truth we think they can handle. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I'm looking at Annabeth right now going, huh. I don't know if you can really handle the whole truth. So I'm just going to give you the parts I think you can deal with. We, we don't want to overlove them, right? We give them too much love. They won't know how to handle it. Guys, that's exactly what Todd White was repenting of. And we don't even realize that we're doing it. We do it not only to protect ourselves, but to protect them, right? That's, that's how our mind thinks of it, at least. N nobody wants to be called a Bible thumper or some kind of Jesus freak or whatever, right? So we don't, we don't want people walking away from us because we told them about Jesus or worse. We bring up the word sin. How dare us. We, we basically, sometimes we go, you know, I better ease into this whole Christianity thing. And you know what? The thing is, is that almost always when we ease into it like that, it always leads to compromise on our part. Not on theirs. They're already in their sin. They're already dead in their sin. We have to go into it like that. The world is dead in their sin. Okay? We're trying to pull them out of their deadness in their sin. You can't just... 
Here, you're drowning right now. You're in the ocean and you're drowning. And I throw in a rope to you. Well, take him up to his forehead. You're all underwater. You're up to here now. What are you doing? You're still drowning. So then I pull you up to like right here, right about here. I'm going to give him a little bit more truth, not a whole lot, because he can't handle it. You're up to here right now. You know what you're still doing? You're still drowning. When is it that we go, get out the water? Until you do that, your friend, whoever it is you're talking to, they're still drowning. So why do we compromise on like, well, just here, just a little more rope, just a little more. It's a huge issue in the church today, guys. It's a partial truth designed to kind of lure people in. But the real truth never comes out because, well, that would be offensive. You don't, you don't want to hurt their feelings. Now that you've kind of lured them in, you suckered. Literally, let's just go with this. You suckered them into church, so here they are. Now you don't want to, like, offend them because they're here now. Right? So we still never talk about church or about sin. You don't talk about sin in here. Because do you guys see the problem? You fill all the seats with a whole bunch of people that don't know nothing. And they all think that they're here because they need a friend. People don't want to be tricked. And they don't want the partial truth. They can get that outside. They get that outside. Every single day they get it out there. They've been lied to their whole lives. So why are we adding to it? Guys, this is awesome. We're at verse 3. <laughs> if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Last point. What is our motivation? What's the end goal? Our end goal is to see people come to know Christ. We don't save them, but God sure can use us. The important part of all of this is the method. We can do all kinds of things to show our sincerity, but you know what? People see hypocrisy. If you say one thing, but don't live it, they see it's not real. That's why 85% leave. Because the gospel that's shared isn't the full gospel. They don't see us living the gospel. It was partially true, but when people realize, you know what, that they still have trials, they still have tribulations after they have this friend called Jesus, they leave. Why wouldn't they? What you gave them is no better than what they had outside. Why are they going to waste an hour and a half every Sunday? It's a point in that. We can't be snake oil salespeople. The method has to be real. Next week, we're going to dive into the definition of what love is, but I'm hoping that we see that loving someone in a real way is crucial.
it may mean you're brutally honest. I'd rather someone hate me for the truth than love me because I lie to them all the time. Do you realize we do that a lot? Oh, you're fine. Everything's good. You just need Jesus. God loves you. He does. He loves you. He's not okay with what you're doing, but he loves you. But we're scared to say that part. I will lay down my life for you, but I don't love you enough to tell you the truth. And I, I know most of you guys know me. I'm not shy. I'll come out and tell you. <laughs> I'm not afraid. My mom was just yelling at me this morning for telling somebody the truth. I, I have to stand on what I know to be true. I have to stand on my principles. Because if I don't, you're all going to look at me and go, he's a hypocrite, he, doesn't, he ain't even willing to do this. It's not because I'm mean. It's because I love you enough to share the truth. Now, we don't walk up somebody with our accusatory finger going, you dirty, wretched sinner. I mean, I might do that, but nor normally not. Most times I don't do that. Because we all sin. And you can point that finger right back at me. Remember when we talked about uh, Matthew 18, 15 on going to a brother? How do you deal with that? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Um, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. We do it in private. We do it in truth. We do it in love. That's how you have these conversations. You guys remember when I was talking, um, I don't know, months ago, we were talking about evangelism or, or people giving their lives to Christ in the church. Only 7% of people ever, when you bring them to church, only 7% of those people give their lives to Christ because of me up here flapping my gums. 93% is because you guys went out, you talked to your friend, and you witnessed to them. It's nothing to do with me. Because you have those one-on-one -on -one conversations in private with your brother. It's relational. It's love when you can do that, as long as you're preaching the truth to them. I think evangelism is the same. It's, it's why you guys do more one-on-one um, -on -one with non-believers than I do with 50 or 100 or 1,000 people. That, that's not, that's, we've talked about this before, but that's not the function of the church. My job is to equip you guys to go out there and do that. It's, it's not my job to save people. So that, that's, that's, not the, that's not the concept here. But this is why the method is so important. One-on-one, -on -one, people expect, if, if you have a friend and you walk up to them your friend expects you to tell them the truth, right? Do you guys ever have a friend that you go like, well, as soon as he opens up his mouth, he's going to lie to me. I can tell. Put your hand down, Jaden. So 
We don't, have, we, don't, we don't expect that. When we talk and we have conversations one-on-one with people, we expect honesty, we expect truth, right? They trust you to be honest and they need to trust, you need to trust that God has put them in a position that they're willing to listen to the truth that you're going to give them. That's the empowerment part. God empowered you for a reason to have these conversations. So, again, I don't care if they like me, I care if they know God. That's just the reality of it. I'm supposed to preach the gospel with the, God, with the gifts that God has given me so that people learn who Jesus Christ is. Loving them is being honest enough to say, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But here's the great news. God loves us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for all of us. All you have to do is ask him to forgive you for the sins that you've done, accept what he did, and give your life to him. We don't have to put a flower on top of it. We don't have to put sprinkles on it to make it easier. Truth has power. So when we give our lives to Christ, he prunes off all that dead junk that we have. So we grow and live. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want dead stuff hanging all off of me. I got enough. I'm already getting a little. I mean, there's stuff. I don't have any gray hairs yet, though. It's all right there. Check it out. But I don't want that dead stuff. We have to love people enough to be real. Because life with Christ is amazing. But there's an order that has to happen. It's not just about a friend. It's it's about a God. We, We have to understand that God is willing to do all of these things in our life. We have to let Him. It's not about us, it's about Him. The the church of today, as Todd White said, gives a false picture of Christ. And I believe when when someone truly accepts Christ, that they they won't fall away from him because they've they've given him their their lives. You, You don't turn from that. Now, they may fall into sin because we all, we, we all sin. But, but they won't leave their faith. People that do, I, I firmly believe that they weren't really believers to begin with because they didn't understand what Christ was. They found out that the story that they were given was false. And they walked away. We don't, we don't ever want people doing that. Look at this. Um, look at this book. Next one. Boom. Boom. Man's search for meaning. You guys see this up here? More than sixteen million copies sold worldwide. People out there 
in the world are searching for answers? Are we telling them the truth? Are we willing to sacrifice our feelings, our hurt maybe, to share the whole truth with them? We have to be willing to love them enough to do that. That's how you lay your life down. That's how you carry your cross. You share the gospel no matter what the cost. You share the whole gospel no matter what the cost. You know why, guys? Because their eternity is worth making sure that they're not one of the 85% who's told a lie. Let's stand up. We'll pray.